0: welcome to Nerd Vomit. My name is Doug, I'm a nerd, and this is my vomit. Uh, Troy is not with me. He's uh, apparently sleeping, or whatever regular human beings do instead of just recording nothing but podcasts all day. So, unfortunately, no Troy on this one. Um, If he gets back to me in a decent amount of time, uh, we may end up recording and I'll scrap this entire thing, which you will never hear. So if you're hearing this, just assume... Troy did not text me. <laughs> uh, but believe me, there's a ton of stuff on the vomitorium. Let's get right into it. Uh, far From Home. Yes, Spider-Man's Far From Home. I knew I said I was going to wait for Troy, but I don't even... I, he may have seen it by now. Maybe he didn't. He was kind of dodgy about it when I asked him earlier this uh, last week. Um, but anyway, I'm going to do... Uh, it's going to be spoilers from here on out. Uh, movies has been out for, you know a while, so I'm not overly worried about it, but I'm going to slam through the notes I had. Um, Once again, Mysterio is, you know, a villain. Great. Uh, He's also got a Stark connection. He created the BARF uh, technology, and he's mad at Stark. This makes for another Spider-Man villain who's mad at Stark, like Michael Keaton's Adrian Toomes' The Vulture. You know why I like this? And some people, you know, did notice, some people didn't. But you know why I like it? it's because in this kind of connected universe, it makes sense. It's not like you have these weird, like, origin stories, like, from from the comics where Mysterio's, like, a, you know, pissed-off stunt person or a effects person, and the Vulture just wants to be young. And, like, it, it worked in the 60s, and it worked as, like, a basic villain origin. But to have, like, you know, Stark be this, you know, Billionaire, um, you know, multinational conglomerate thing, and to have like kind of the these people kind of pissed off at him squandering their technology on making him an Avenger or whatever perceived slight, even economic with Vulture, that was great. Um, it shows that this is all connected, and it makes more sense. And the fact that they're using Spider-Man villains uh, that have been la- kind of launch pad, launch padded, leap, whatever like have this jumping off point that like it all revol- revolves around Stark and Spider-Man is kind of taking in um uh, coming into this like kind of Stark role um very interesting. Uh oh, another pissed off ex-Stark employee villain. That really was the next note. I will say speaking of Mysterio and this whole thing, the trailer misdirect. Uh in the trailer it was like, well, he's from the multiverse. And yes, the multiverse has been established. Doctor Strange and we're gonna get into it later with the kind of Marvel um, San Diego Comic Con big reveals. Um, but Doctor Strange, is, Doctor Strange Two is gonna be called like Multiverse of Madness or something like that. So you know, it's like yes, the multiverse does exist. There was a great misdirect that we were all like, oh, he's from another world. What does that mean? Nope, he's just pissed off. Uh, I I loved it once again. I didn't. I, I talked about this last week when I kind of did a spoiler list review of it, but that, yeah, Mysterio was not what I expected at all. And that's great, because that is very Mysterio. Uh, It works. Let's see. Oh, Happy and Aunt May Hilarity. I love those two. I mean, to to think that Jon Favreau and and Marissa Tomei would have such great comedic chemistry together was so hilarious, and just, like, a handful of scenes, but it it struck uh, this great kind of heart and soul of, you know, kind of Peter Parker's world. Um, His aunt and then his, you know, someone who's sharing his grief over Tony Stark, Happy Hogan, uh, played by the aforementioned Jon Favreau. Fantastic. Let's see, oh, mid credit scene, uh, Mysterio reveals that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. What does this mean? I'm going to get into some conjecture in a little bit. My question in that, oh, and by the way, J.K. Simmons coming back as J.J. Jameson, masterstroke. Fucking a masterstroke. I just about gave myself a black eye getting a nerd boner on that one, just like, bam, right in the face, um, so anyway, is Spider-Man's ID really that closely guarded of his secret, um, I mean, one, he runs around without his fucking mask on for most of this movie, um, and, you know, whatever, but, like, Spider-Man, like, yeah, he's been established, he's been, like, running around for, like, you know, now a better part of a year, um, that he's, you know, been with the Avengers, and, and all of this, and, But has he really made, like, that big of a a, a cultural impact in the MCU, like, in their world, that, like, that's a big secret? Like, you know, Spider-Man's identity was secret for decades in the comics until, you know, Marvel's, the comic, Civil War. When, you know, Peter Parker revealed his identity to the world. Well, Spider-Man had been, like, you know, in the scene for decades. um, And it was, like, you know, one of the most closely held secrets. Um... Does, does it really have the impact in the MCU? I don't think so. That's me. Now, does this set up something called Identity Crisis from Spider-Man? Not to be confused with DC Comics' Identity Crisis, which was written by Brad Meltzer, and check it out, it's great. Um, really dark, depressing shit, um, but amazingly written. And uh, kind of changed the landscape of DC Comics there for a couple years. But anyway, Identity Crisis in the comics uh in, in in Marvel and with Spider Man was that um I think someone was getting close to like revealing Spider Man was Peter Parker. So Peter Parker actually set up four different costumed uh identities, um who eventually became, became their own heroes, uh called the Slingers, like web slingers. But anyway. Um and it was like one was like more acrobatic, one was um, had like a, a flight pack and it was more like a kind of golden age superhero. And I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. One was like tech based. I don't remember what the fourth one was. Um I think maybe stealth based. I can't remember. It's been a while, and it was kind of a semi-lackluster time in Marvel. Um, but does this set up the identity crisis for Spider-Man and the Slingers? Man, that would be fucking awesome to. St- I, I mean, I don't even know how they do it. Now, once again. There's so much stuff coming out now with, you know, them adapting, like, Doom Patrol that I didn't think I'd be able to see, like, a sentient transvestite planet or genderqueer... uh, I'm sorry, planet. uh, A sentient uh, genderqueer street, Danny the Street. Now, could they pull off the the Slingers? It would be a coup to me. I I just... I can't imagine that they would do that. I think it's um, too kind of off the rails, too much stuff to put into a movie, but then again... I've seen Stranger Things I'd never expect to see. Uh, lastly, the post credit scene. Now, I had friends who saw it and went, I don't know what the hell that was, and I went, well, did you see Captain Marvel? And they went, no. And I went, well, you're an idiot. Because um, not only really did I like Captain Marvel, which apparently I'm in a minority with my friends on this one. I don't understand why they didn't like it. But yeah, the scrolls have been posing as Nick Fury. Now, this seems benevolent, by the way, because he's on their spaceship, and he's like, okay, everyone back to work. And basically, what this sets up it's a few things. One, Nick Fury has apparently never been on the planet Earth since the 90s. He's been in space for 20 fucking years, apparently, working with the scrolls, doing some cosmic shit. And that's the other thing it sets up, cosmic shit. Um, Marvel did release uh, their slate for Phase 4. The first thing on it is Eternals, which is very cosmic. I'm not going to get all the way into it, um, but just Google it because uh, it is, is uh, a, a big part of Marvel history, and it's very convoluted as well. So, um, I'm not going to have a lot to get through on this list. Uh, did I like Spider-Man Far From Home? Absolutely. I said that last week. Um, I just want to kind of get into kind of the, the bullet points. Uh, and obviously, if I would have had Troy here, we would have gone a bit more back and forth on it. But, of course, you know, let us know what you think on the interweb. Next thing on the vomitorium, more Marvel stuff. It's going to be a lot of Marvel stuff. Uh, Jessica Jones. Um, I'm. All, I'm literally. I got 20 minutes left on the last episode, um, but I will spoil some stuff. If you would have told me a year ago um, that I would see, speaking of weird stuff that I never thought I'd see, that that the the big bads for Jessica Jones season three, or that like just the big bads on anything Marvel would be Hellcat and Fool Killer, Fool Killer, a Z list like Punisher ripoff, like. I wouldn't have believed you, I'd I'm like, nope, they're too obscure, how would you even do them? Like, and I remember when I, you know, was into comics, and, and still am, but when I was actively collecting them, Fool Killer kind of, they relaunched them in the 90s as like a, you know, gritty anti-hero, which, that was the 90s, it was Wolverine, Ghost Rider, Punisher, uh, Spawn, uh, anyway, and uh, Fool Killer was like this, like, I don't know, guy with a disintegrator gun and a fucking gimp mask, um, it was weird and not for me. But to turn fool killer into kind of a, a entitled uh, intelligent serial killer like zero apathy Dexter, I think I called him um, when you know I was talking about this last week. I wouldn't have believed it. And Hellcat I mean yeah, I knew Trish Walker in the comics as Hellcat. And I knew at the end of season two of Jessica Jones that she had gotten some kind of powers um, but to turn her into kind of the uh, other side of the coin to fool killer as Hellcat. Uh, I, I wouldn't have seen coming. Uh, very fitting uh, that, you know, the people Jessica have, has has taken on as big bands have been the ones that are kind of closest to her. And I know what you're saying, Doug, but what about Kilgrave? What about the Purple Man? He was close to her. He was always in her head, uh, one way or the other. So, you know, even though Mind Control, like, he never left. And then the mo- her mom in Season 2, and now her adoptive sister in Season 3. So... Jessica Jones, cursed, um, but I'm really digging it. I'm, I'm, I hope they do something with the character as now that she's you know kind of a cultural touchstone, uh, you know, from the Netflix shows, and she's not a really unknown entity anymore, um, outside of the, those of us that read comics. You know, it sucks. Like I said, I I really liked everything Netflix and Marvel did on the Netflix shows, and uh, am I disappointed that Jessica Jones is is almost over in 20 minutes for me? Yeah. Uh, can I say the same about Daredevil and Luke Cage? Yes. Iron Fist, I liked the second season. Once again, I know I'm in the minority, um, and I liked what it set up. Uh, and then you know, Defenders was was what it was. Um, it, 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 I liked that it connected everything in, but it I don't. It, it could have been like two episodes shorter, in my opinion. Um, I've kept I've been foreshadowing these these Marvel notes. So I'm going to bring them up, and the things Marvel announced at Hall H uh, last weekend at Comic-Con. We have, you know, like I said, we've got The Eternals, we've got Black Panther 2, and Captain Marvel 2, and Guardians 3, gee, what a shock to making these sequels. Um, you know, What If, uh, like I had talked about, I believe last week, or maybe the week before that, um, is gonna be animated. I didn't know that. Marvel has always kind of sucked at animation, so it'd be very interesting, uh, how they're gonna pull off What If. Uh, but What If is basically kind of the stories of the multiverse. Um... It's what if Captain America didn't, you know, fall into the ocean and got frozen. Um, that has ramifications for the U.S., for the world, for World War II, for how the formation of the Avengers would have even happened, if there would be Avengers. You know, like stuff like that. Um, there was a great "What If," and it used to be a series of comics as well. And I should mention that. But I, I remember reading like uh, "What If," the the doctor who made um, the Captain America serum, Doctor Erskine, um, survived. Um, and he ends up creating a bunch of super soldiers, and they win the war, and then it becomes, the world becomes like a weird, or the U.S. becomes like a weird Nazi utopia, uh, in this weird twist of, like, eugenics in America, so, uh, let's see, what else, uh, oh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Shang-Chi, great, 70s kung fu comic, not really my bread and butter, um, but the interesting part is the Legend of the Ten Rings, yes, we're bringing the Ten Rings back. If you remember the Marvel movies, the Ten Rings are the ones that kidnapped Tony Stark in Iron Man 1. They were referenced uh, as the Mandarin in Iron Man 3, and that was weirdly disappointing. Um, well, The fake Mandarin, and then there was a little Marvel short they put out, I believe called "Hill of the King, where the real Mandarin, uh, you don't see him, but comes back to take care of some loose ends with uh, Ben Kingsley. Sir Ben Kingsley, my bad. So we know that the real Mandarin is still out there. Mandarin of course, uh, in the comics is equipped with 10 alien rings each with a different power like heat, fire, uh, dis- oh, heat and fire, ice and fire disintegration uh, one creates black holes. I can't remember what the other ones do but um, so it'd be very interesting to see kind of the possible origins or uh, uh, more of the story ongoing story of the mysterious Mandarin. Uh, as I mentioned before dr Strange and in the multiverse of madness they say uh madness aspect of this title is going to be taken literally whatever the hell that means uh what's his name from the he was a big bad in um luke Cage season one and he was in uh the green book with Vigo mortison uh is going to be the new blade didn't see this one coming uh no one saw blade being brought back weird um I'm wondering what this means. Is it going to be on Disney Plus? Is it going to be a movie? How is it going to tie into everything uh, now that we're introducing vampires into the MCU? Kevin Feige, of course, famously said at the end of the whole panel, oh, don't have enough time to talk about mutants. So there's there's something to be said about with X-Men. He also quietly mentioned the Fantastic Four. They have released, uh, this is some huge news, uh, Thor Love and Thunder, in which Natalie Portman, yay, is Coming back and going to be Thor, the female Thor, the James, uh, James, uh, Jane, uh, um, Foster, Forrester, whatever her name is, um, I'll, I'll look it up eventually, uh, yeah, Jane Foster, there we go, uh, Jane Foster, they're gonna do woman Thor, um, like they've been doing in the comics, uh, I love this idea, I'm not one of those cry, crying piss babies or whatever they call them on- on social media that's like, oh, this is destroying, like, men's rights, and bl- fuck you. It's a good goddamn story, and it's worth reading, and it's worth seeing, and it's worth throwing money at. So, not destruction of anyone's rights, really, but female Thor, very excited. Uh, a few other things, like I said, they they had mentioned, um, all the Disney Plus um, programming, such as Wanda WandaVision, um, which I assume is going to be... Like I said, um, they're probably gonna rebuild the vision, and he's gonna be mind wiped, and she's gonna uh, Scarlet Witch is gonna have to teach him how to become, you know, human again while struggling with like an un- uh, reciprocated love, um, as well as Loki is going to address. Uh, it's the story of the Loki that got the Tesseract in one of the alternate uh, worlds, the, one of the ultimate alternate timelines that uh, Avengers Endgame created. Uh, of course, Endgame also overtaking Avatars, the number one movie. I'm so happy with that. I wanted Avatar gone for so long, uh, as I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, Now, really, Endgame is only ahead of Avatar by about mm, half a million dollars, which is next to nothing in terms of box office. What I'm assuming they're going to do is to uh, re-release Avatar before the second one uh, to remind everyone that it was a movie 11 years ago, um, and then it'll retake number one. I'm assuming. So, End game. enjoy it while well, it lasts, because I don't think it's going to stay there. Everything else I'm going to hold onto till next week, because one thing is, it, I'll, I mean, I'll just get it out of the way now, I suppose. I started playing Bioshock, as, you know, the Borderlands has kind of sparked this thing of, like, I want to play kind of the unconventional first-person shooters that I missed out on, being, like, not a huge first-person shooter fan. But I'm not that far into it, and it kind of has to have a preceding um, chunk of time talking about uh, that I beat Trover Saves Universe, which I will save for next week, along with the new Batman uh, DC animated Batman Hush, which I was a huge fan of, that run of comics by Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee. So, anyway, uh, plenty to talk about. Uh, All of it Marvel on this episode, so I'm, I'm gonna, you know, maybe rethink... Uh, the original title for this episode, which was Think Thin, um, for no reason. But anyway, uh, so that's, that's Nerd Vomit. Um, like I said, I'm sorry it was all kind of Marvel, uh, centric, but that's just, it just happened that way. Um, that's kind of how the cookie crumbles, uh, how, how the chips fall, um, you know, when I'm, I'm taking stuff in. So, um, anyway, I'm Doug, Nerd Vomit, and I'm out like a boner. In sweatpants. If you like this, check out some of our other shows like Exotic Liability, No Applause, Just the Clap, and Black Falls. We can be found at www.bacnpodcast.com and by searching for The BACN on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. Oh, yeah.